Now let's just clarify this right away. This is not an RPG based on James Cameron's blockbuster about blue people. I mean, I think it might be about the military industrial complex, but I mean, blue people. No, this is based off of Avatar The Last Airbender, an American anime that aired on Nickelodeon between 2005 and 2008, and was followed up by The Legend of Korra, which aired from 2012 to 2014. Absolutely nothing else to speak of, definitely no movie adaptations to talk about. The original Avatar series follows Aang, who is the current Avatar, along with Katara, Sokka, and later Toph, as they train to end the Fire Nation's world war. I finished up two separate campaigns of this RPG and wanted to share my thoughts with you today, especially because I believe my second campaign is really prescriptive as to how the campaign would go for you, and if this RPG is something that you'd enjoy. Today's episode is going to be a bit rambly. I mean, would it be a podcast about an RPG if it wasn't? But I promise that I'm not going to spoil anything pivotal to the story. So just some background to the game, this RPG is run by a system called Powered by the Apocalypse, which is a newer system that was introduced for Apocalypse World in 2010. Since then, it has been used in various games, for some most famously in Masks, A New Generation, which leads some people to mistakenly call it the Masks system. The point is that characters have a set of moves that they can just do based on the setting. The die rolls are simple, using 2d6s, and results are either total success, partial success, or failure. But on top of these, what Masks and Avatar uses is the idea that narrative is central to everything. Gone are the hit points, but rather income the status changes. As a side note, in a weird kind of serendipity, I had already planned on this podcast when last week I was listening to the Set Up and Sit Down podcast where Quentin Smith talks about Masks and reviews it. I'll leave a link to that in the description if you want to hear more than just the basic overview of that game, I'll tell you now. Masks, a new generation, centers around a group of teenage superheroes, and your relationship with the others affects how you do in combat. If you asked a fellow team member out, for example, and they turn you down for whatever reason, you'll fight worse the next time you fight, especially if you have to team up with them, because, I mean, they broke your heart. Your status condition changed. The RPG is just as much, if not more, about growing up than it is about crime fighting. Nowhere in the Avatar book does it say that you need to play as teenagers or preteens. The only hint you have is that you play as young heroes, and you can take that as you will. But those who are coming to the RPG with any Avatar viewership is most likely going to be predisposed to picking teenagers or preteens, since this is what the main characters in the show are. On top of that, you know these ages make sense, since they spend the show trying to improve themselves as people. And this Powered by the Apocalypse system seems like the perfect choice since you know that many times they try to invade any kind of direct conflict or try to find a clever way to work around it, finding disguises to get into towns, for example. And I think this leads me to why I believe the second campaign I ran is so good in allowing me to tell you whether or not this RPG will be for you. The Avatar RPG did an excellent job in marketing to a wide range of people. It made itself known to those who maybe never looked at RPGs before, never knew about the Powered by the Apocalypse system, and some people who just wanted to see what all the hullabaloo was about. And in the second campaign, I had a bit up of a combination of the three. Of the six adventurers that went on our campaign, only three were experienced RPG players. Three were brand new. Nobody had ever played the Powered by the Apocalypse system before, and two had never seen a single episode of Avatar. So to sum it up, I had those with no experience with RPGs, 
those with experience in D&D and other combat-heavy RPGs but not powered by the apocalypse, and those with no experience with Avatar the show. And that's how we're going to be evaluating it today, to see if your group falls into one of those categories that Avatar marketed towards so effectively, if this game is for you. Again, I won't be spoiling anything, so if I tell you about an experience we had, it was something we did that wasn't crucial to the story that you'll be experiencing. So let's start where many campaigns do, our scheduled session zero. We went over to one of our friend's homes that had experience with RPGs before and had laid out the ground rules of the game. I told them, hey, this isn't going to be a very combat intensive game. In fact, you'll probably avoid it most of the time. The game is about the development of your characters, and you should pick a player archetype you want to see develop. I handed out the papers that included each of these archetypes, like the bold, the guardian, and the icon. Those I had seen, Avatar automatically tried figuring out who each of these types represented in the show. Oh, this is Aang character. Oh, this is the Katara character, and so on. But those who hadn't watched Avatar were drawn to the large koi fish drawing on the right side of the paper. Hey, Eric, what is this balance thing? Balance is what the Avatar RPG centers around, because it is a central mental difficulty that their character is experiencing. Each archetype is experiencing difficulties in balancing two different principles that are pulling them in opposite directions. For example, the Guardian is trying to balance their need to be self-reliant, since they are stronger than others, with their need to trust others to accomplish their goal. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the rules of balance, because there is a lot of them. But throughout the game, decisions and sometimes combat will force the player to be off-balance. Sometimes this is good, because they can act in accordance with these principles to be stronger than their stats would indicate. However, get too far, and the opponent can start throwing you off balance, and you won't be useful at all. It's really a balancing game. But let's jump off of that to the other important decision each person will make. Along with their background, which includes if they are a bender or not, they also need to decide on their starting stat values. The four stats are creativity, focus, harmony, and passion. Anytime you want to do something like trick an opponent or help a teammate, you need to roll based on these stats. And you'll be doing this a lot. The Avatar rubric is very clear that nothing can be done unless it is told narratively. So you can't just say, I tricked the guard. You have to talk about how you did it. This, for some, is where Avatar shines, because the central idea that you can basically narrate yourself away from combat or out of tricky situations, as long as you can think on your feet, can be such a breath of fresh air. This also makes it so that inside jokes are created and thrown around. To this day, our text group, even though the campaign is long over, will still talk about frog memes because out of nowhere, the only person left to trick the guard decided to seduce her with, you guessed it, frog memes. How on earth they came up with that is beyond me, and how on earth it worked when their charisma was so abysmal was also a shock. But it was a moment we all remember, even though it really wasn't important to the story. But this is also where it can trip up players who maybe aren't very good at coming up with things on the fly, or maybe even what kinds of things they should be thinking about. New players might not know to ask about what's around the room, or that they don't have to fight all the time. They might not be good at giving narration to their moves or get fully into character, which can be a bit of a damper on a game that is, centrally, supposed to be about the journey and development of their characters and personas. I think this can be the difficulty for those who are experienced only in D&D, at least from my experience. Where in other RPGs their character might have an ever-changing event, but for the most part stays the same, having an RPG in which your character is supposed to change throughout the game can be a difficult thing to act out. It's much easier to say, I'm the hammer and the hammer acts in forts, than having to question every decision with, but should I use force when my character really only started using force as a way of caring for others? When should I care more and use force less? This is an excellent example of what we talked about in our episode on social anxiety, which is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. In it, we talked about how many therapists recommend playing RPGs and playing as a character who is going through something similar to you, or who's a person you want to become. Avatar gives you that chance, and I even think two of our players did exactly that, with one player playing who they are in real life but a better version of it, 
and one player playing a character that had a trait they wanted in real life. By playing this game, it allowed them to practice having those skills because, since the whole game only made sense if you played it out as your characters actually would, and not necessarily what was best for the team, acting this way made the game better. And as a GM, it really was my job to get them to act in this way, to have them remember that the story is what they are writing, not really a battle count. And I guess this would be a good time to bring in how my experience was, although briefly, because in a game full of people with no experience in this or no experience in that, I had previously had no experience in being a GM. This made me incredibly nervous, but I had gotten Avatar to do just this. The GM book is well made, and I was happy to see in the final product some of the feedback that the playtesters had mentioned. In Session Zero, players can pick what era they want to play in, and there are lots of conflicts, one-shots, and other adventures to choose from. You can even mix and match if you want. Each major and minor character the players will meet has just enough information to give you a sense of who they are, but leave room to make it your own. And I liked that there were guideposts along the way, pit stops to keep the story moving forward. And each place had a recommended incident in case the players were lollygagging, or if the game was too easy for them thus far. The amount of rules and terminology can be a bit overwhelming at first, and I recommend having a conflict early to really get how that works, as it's much different than other systems. But for the most part, everything was written clearly and concisely. I think Avatar makes an excellent first RPG for new GMs. Back to the main game, the players really got what was going on by the end of the first main session. Since the narrative was so important in the game, it was even more important to lay down the foundation of the world, the motivations of the characters, and what was going on. They had decided to play during the war before Aang would have been found, so everything was happening in a world without a known avatar, making our party a group of heroes that were ever important in the war effort. After a couple of sessions, the group had figured out how to work together in their expansive range of skills, and it was somewhat comical to see how TV show-like it was to see a ragtag group of individuals become a team. Then something unexpected happened. Someone else wanted to play. The group of new RPGs were having such a good time that they had told someone else about it and they wanted to play. Well, if you have seen Avatar, you know that they get a main character halfway through the series, and Avatar the RPG makes it easy to do just that. That's how we got to six players, as the adventure started with only a group of five, and this worked really well for many of the missions. I appreciated that it was easy enough for people to come in, and it was equally easy for people to miss a session as well. Because the whole game wraps around story and narrative, if someone needed to miss a session, it was easy enough to write them being captured in some way and the others would need to perform a rescue mission, or I guess they could have just chosen to leave them, I suppose. It gave them a new adventure, and it gave them something to help boost their stats as well for coming adventures. So it didn't feel like a waste of time. Because at the end of each session, the GM needs to ask three questions to everyone. Did you learn something challenging, exciting, or complicated about the world? Did you stop a dangerous threat or solve a community problem? And did you guide a companion towards balance or end the session at your center? By answering yes to these questions, and one more that each character has individually, and they have to share their answers with the group, they get a checkmark. These checkmarks accrue over time, and once they reach four, they get to choose an advancement. These can be a number of things, including unlocking a move from your playbook or someone else's, shifting towards center, unlocking the powerful moment of balance, or raising a stat. And I hope that gives you enough to kind of know how the game works. I don't want to risk any spoilers, and I also don't want to take away the ability to explore everything on your own. But how did everyone enjoy it? How did these three groups we talked about earlier, no experience in RPG, no experience in Avatar, and no experience in Powered by the Apocalypse, how did they do? Let's start with probably the smallest group out of those who backed the Kickstarter, the no experience with Avatar. I don't really know how many people backed this game not knowing what Avatar is, but having some of the campaign was interesting. They had no idea why the others were excited about cabbage carts or why everyone screamed secrets on us when they occurred. And this made them want to watch the show, which they ended up watching a few episodes before the campaign ended. But altogether, I don't know how a campaign would go if nobody had seen the show. Maybe they could get Okay, these people can control air, these can control water, etc. But there's a bit of lore that comes with those tribes. 
there's a bit of the lore in which it makes sense why you're not trying to fight at every opportunity or why kids are the ones running the show. I think the writers of the RPG did well in not trapping GMs to stick with Avatar-exclusive events. There's enough background there that if a GM wanted to do a campaign with a group who had never seen it, they could. But I wonder why they would want to. Other than if you had previously liked Powered by the Apocalypse and were just trying to get more games with it, I don't know why you would choose this one if you don't know Avatar. There's nothing crazy revolutionary here. You really are just playing a campaign in the Avatar world. The more you can make that world your own is the fun of it, where you can recreate things that were in the show, maybe meet younger versions of the characters that were in the show, and altogether have the Avatar experience. It'd be like going to Disney World having never seen anything Disney. Sure, you would probably be able to have some fun there, and the rides are a good backbone to the experience, but you're not going to have nearly as much fun as the people who can recognize the characters, enjoy the parades and shows, and giggle at the Mickey-shaped waffles. I wouldn't say I don't recommend it for this group. I think there's a lot of better stuff out there, including masks, that might be better for you. The next group is a group with experience in other RPGs, but not empowered by the apocalypse. I actually think that this group is a complete hit or miss. Including both campaigns, I played with five people who fall under this category. Three of them loved it, and two of them were bored very quickly. I think this really comes down to how much they like exposition, creativity, and narrative. Avatar, especially compared to RPGs that have been getting popular lately, has a very loose structure to it. While the GM can of course rein it in a bit, so much of the game will be loosey-goosey. The characters make the story themselves, choose who to meet, what cities to save, what animals they might train. They could go out on their own, even to the detriment of the party, because their personal motivations require them to. And to some, this is incredible. It's almost limitless freedom, giving them the amazing opportunity to totally become someone else. But to others, this freedom is too much. There isn't enough structure. To some, the idea of evading battles if you can, to dress up in disguises, it seems ridiculous. Some people want to use their powers to kick some ass, but there really isn't that many opportunities to do that. And when there is, there's the constant ability for the GM to, like the show, just have the enemy run away. So I think that this camp falls into two. If a person is looking to use some avatar-like powers to clobber some people, become an all-powerful being, or if they just aren't into creating a story, if they aren't okay with spending an entire session, or two, or three, or four, in the same city building relationships with the citizens, then this isn't the game for them. But if they want to build character, explore the world, play out their avatar fantasies by becoming like one of the characters in the show, or being their own selves alongside those that are in the show, then they really are going to like this one. It's interesting, it has hearts, and there were many moments where we couldn't believe the RPG could get us to a point where we were teenagers discussing life's intricacies. If someone liked other RPGs and wanted an opportunity to be more free in their choices and really get into the head of someone else, this might be their game. Finally, we get to the group that I think is the reason the Kickstarter did well. The group of people who had never played an RPG, but wanted to try with a theme they like. I cannot think of a better system that would have worked for new players than this. Not only do you get to play in the Avatar universe that between the original series and the follow-up, Korra, has a lot of lore and character, but you get to play it in a way in which you don't let down the team. There's a bit of that in others, where your poor decision causes the whole team to fail a mission, to get pushed back in the campaign, and rid entire portions of the campaign obsolete. At times, this can lead to grand, exciting finales where it's up to the final role to decide if you win or lose, but for a lot of people, this is just too much pressure, especially when you're playing with people much more experienced than you. RPGs are like 18xx or war games to a lot of people, a genre of game that seems completely uninviting. There are a lot of rules. What the heck is a paladin, and why do I need to buy all these dice? Both Avatar, you can't really be knocked out. If you know Avatar, you know all the terminologies of characters you need to know, and you probably have two six-sided dice somewhere. What Avatar does for new players isn't lowering the amount of rules per se, it just lowers the barrier to entry. 
Avatar is a great foot in the door for those who are curious about RPGs but never got the chance to play one, either because D&D's theme is uninteresting, they were scared of ruining others' experience, or they just didn't want to learn a lot of new terminology. I do recommend playing this one with someone who does have a little bit of experience with RPGs, especially in the storytelling elements, because the new players learned quite a bit about what questions to ask, how to evaluate a situation, and working together from the experienced players that had done things like that before. But I could definitely see a group of completely new players, including the GM, running this campaign successfully. So there you have it, our hopefully somewhat helpful review of Avatar the RPG. For new players, it's a solid recommendation that I think will be the cause of many people getting into the genre for the first time and seeing what else is out there when they're done. For some experienced players, this will allow them to have a fun, more low-stakes campaign that they can live in the world of Avatar and make a fun story. For others, there won't be enough action to hold their attention, and especially if they don't really care a lot about story elements and exploration, this won't be for them. And for those with no experience with Avatar, I just don't think there is enough there to really be worth recommending. The whole thing is to experience the Avatar world in a new way, but if you don't care about Avatar, I think there are a lot of better options for you out there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Board Game Dojo. Just look for the same logo as the podcast. And check out our YouTube channel where we do reviews of East Asian games. Until next time, Janne!